Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Today, for the first time in history, the Supreme Court of the United States is at least saying to the American people, we hear you. And understand that the nine justices on the Supreme Court are members of a democratic form of government, not royalty. Is that really what we want, Steve? Do we want the courts like bowing to the public opinion and saying, we hear you? Isn't that what we expect of Congress? Yeah, don't we trust people? You can't trust people. Yeah, and don't we want the court focusing on the rule of law and the Constitution, not what people are out there saying in the media? Yeah, or if we have an actual accusation of corruption rather than, well, I just don't like them. That was Dick Durbin yesterday talking about this new code of ethics that the court has adopted. All justices signed off on this uh, on this ethics code of conduct. Um, but importantly, the Democrats are already criticizing the justices, saying there's wow. no enforcement. Go figure. And I'm just thinking, like, why engage? Because now that you've engaged, now now they're. Now the court is in a in a battle with the Democrats, and the Democrats are saying, well, you did what we kind of wanted, but now we kind of want some enforcement. And so now you're going to be in this ongoing debate with Congress, which is not a place I think the court should be. If you just ignore the trolls and the fools, that's how I like to live my life. I tr- it's hard, right? But it, it's hard. But it isn't, wouldn't it be better if they just ignored them? Well, the, the trolls and all is kind of what's running our country more and more <laughs> is, is the issue. And it, I don't think it's about finding a solution. It's about eternal agitation. Keep For- agitating. The, the other side's bad. They got horns coming out of their head. You shouldn't trust them. Uh, these rules aren't going to do anything. Uh, it's do we trust people? Do we trust the people that are there? Is there an accusation of actual corruption? Or is it people we just don't like? They just don't like somebody. And for a while, it was orange man bad. And now we're at Clarence Thomas bad. Anything we can do to, mm-hmm. to you know, hit back against Clarence Thomas, to disparage him. I mean, they tried it when he got nominated, and now they're still mad about it. And that seems to be their whole MO. They don't like his perspective. That is the key. All right. Well, you are hearing this morning guest co-host Steve Spellman. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning. We threw right into the thick of it there. I know. We sure Hard issues are here at 6 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) We sure did. That's what we like to do here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri on this wonderful and warm Tuesday morning. Are we really in the 70s all week? Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, in in very, you know, again, very. In, in, we could be down into th- 30s in a, you know, a week or so. You just never know. But this is very unusual. Uh, I remember a couple weeks ago in October, some days that were just brutal. Halloween. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right around there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. About 30. Uh, I'd make one comment about Clarence Thomas. To the best of my knowledge, you know, um, he, he, and I know he probably lives in Virginia now, but he lived in Jefferson City for sure. Yep. At one time, really, John knows former, that former assistant attorney general under Jack Danforth absolutely mm-hmm. worked in the Missouri Cap and worked in the Missouri Supreme Court building, assistant attorney general. And to the best of my knowledge, John, um, he's the only former Jefferson City resident I'm aware of that's ever served on the U.S. Supreme Court. If there's yeah. another one out there, I'm not aware of it. Yeah, I think you're correct. 
Yeah, and I mean, and right now he's just like a lightning rod for the Democrats. They can't talk about anything positive, so they're just attacking him. And I really, I really think this is a bad move by the court. I really don't like to see them. Uh, what did Dick Durbin say? Uh, telling the people we hear you. I don't think that's a position that the court wants to get in. I think they should be focused on the Constitution. But um, that's my lawyerly perspective uh, this morning. So, uh, Steve, you're going to be uh, guest co-hosting and maybe guest hosting a little bit here on Wake Up in Missouri. Uh, I like to call you like my friend Steve, the political commentator. <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, like but you and I first got acquainted, um, I think, through the Show Me Institute and some of their local events many years ago. Probably so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been a mixer for a lot of different individuals. So for folks who might be a little bit unfamiliar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm a local uh, Mimsera native. I uh, went to Mizzou and stuck around. Uh, ended up uh, finding a career in financial services, helping folks with their investment and savings. Whether they got two bucks or a couple million bucks, regardless, uh, in a kind of community bank setting. I like that. Get involved in the community and able to you know come on uh, shows like this um i had an interest early on in, in uh radio like the old rush limbaugh you know thing he oh, was yeah. the king of of all that and uh his start on a zimmer station he did really yeah, yeah he was out of cape yep. yeah that's right i am and then he went to kansas city and uh but anyway uh got into a public access show that i hosted for several years a weekly thing for an hour and then uh, retired from that a couple years ago and knew some folks here and said hey you want to be sidekick occasionally, kind of like this, and well, I can do that. And I really want to commend you guys for being really an important part of, of Mid Missouri and really the local conservative movement. I mean, a lot of people look to this program to get informed and entertained. Um, and uh, I we hope, yeah. And I hear from a lot of people like, "Hey, I heard you on the on the Wake Up Mid Missouri. How'd that?" I think, "Oh, well, yeah. I guess there's there's listeners. There are listeners out there. Uh, there yeah, no, just more there than sure a few. Are, yeah. So well, and- hey, we told you." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate you joining us this morning. And, of course, you also are a writer. You write a, co- a regular column, uh, and I always enjoy catching up on that. And I think, you know, you have some really interesting insights, not only on, specifically on on Columbia issues, that I don't, um, you know, originally I'm from Jefferson City, so yeah. you have more history there that I always appreciate your yeah, insights. Yeah, an opportunity to chip in in several publications, including the Columbia Missourian. And then um, on the political spectrum, do you, so Show Me is a little bit more libertarian. Is that where you kind of push yourself? Or? Yeah. Yeah, a conservative libertarian. Uh, kind of, I've gotten into Ron Paul type uh, movement and so oh, yeah. forth, and I don't know, maybe moderate a little over time. But uh, you know, grew up in downtown Columbia for over twenty years. Either you fight <laughs> or you play nice, and uh, I've I've learned a moderated tone, so I can I can I can switch a different few different ways i think i can talk to anybody about think, most anything i think most people become more radicalized in their old, older years but you're saying you're moving to the middle i like this okay brian real quick there is some big columbia news happening this week uh we're getting a new police chief going to be getting a new police chief that will be coming your way uh tomorrow uh, i'll be at city hall two o'clock at the press conference very important to note the the and a lot of people i still don't think realize this stephanie it's not the council it's the city manager to carlin see what under the mm-hmm. under the charter that has the uh, basically 
makes the hire. The council can provide input, and I'm sure they have and, 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 and are doing that. But it's his call on who he hires. Two o'clock tomorrow, he's encouraging the public to attend. It will be at City Hall in the council chambers. He's going to talk about the process for the search, and the next chief is also going to speak. So four finalists in alphabetical order, the former Forest Park Georgia chief, Nathaniel Clark, Kansas City Police Chief Major, or Kansas City Police Major Dan Haley, Columbia Assistant Chief Jill Schlude and Greeley, Colorado Deputy Chief Michael Zeller. And as you can imagine, Mr. Seawood's keeping this very, um, very tight to the vest. So we won't know until tomorrow who it will be. And then whoever that is, is going to also be available to speak to the local media as well. But I think I'd encourage people to attend. I think it's, it's, it's certainly a big announcement. And we're going to count on you, Brian, to go ahead and schedule that new police chief to come on the program later this week. Hopefully I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> hopefully I'll be able to do that. No, but, we're, we're looking forward to talking to that person because yes. I think a lot of folks in Columbia, I think after the economy on day-to-day lives, I think that's next for a lot of mid-Missourians is how do we police our communities. Mm-hmm. And on, um, John, I think I, I can't say much, but I think you've got a story up on KWOS um, about updates on the Ashland police chief. Yeah, uh, no real update from the sound of it. Our news partner, ABC 17, reporting that uh, Callaway County Prosecutor Ben Miller, who's a special prosecutor in the case, said he felt Chief Gabe Edwards could be charged with misuse of uh, official information. But no no charges have been filed yet. And we know that uh, Chief Edwards was let go back in July and promptly sued the city and saying he'd been let go because he criticized the mayor on social media so we're keeping on the story keeping on the story with abc 17 as well we'll let you know where that all goes yeah and i would add one thing and i hope ben miller the prosecutor of callaway county is listening because john john and i don't have that release that information and i've reached out to that prosecutor several times about some of the cold cases and i've not heard back from him so um we want to get on his distribution list i'm sure he's listening um and we'd like to like to get that information as well um, we, we are getting other updates about some pretty horrific crimes oh. here in Colombia. And is it the one? Is it the person who was in the in the neighborhood? And it was the mental health issue. Um, is well, that the we've one got that's happening today? the one that okay. Uh, I'm not sure about the one in the neighborhood yesterday was a standoff. I believe you're talking okay. about, and that was a f- almost a five hour standoff. Um, I've read the court documents on him. As I told Steve, I think the amazing thing about I, I'm just shocked he was out of prison to begin with he's done multiple stints in prison um looks like he's going to be heading back potentially this week um his name is ronald powell he's 28 years old he is okay so he's been serving prison for stealing resisting arrest possession of a controlled substance he was wanted on 11 felony warrants they arrived at the home he barricades him allegedly barricades himself inside the home yesterday about 11 in the morning uh they have to use gas they have to bring in drones you can imagine um and they finally get him out of the home um he is accused there's a lot of charges 11 but i did read the probable cause statement this morning i can't use a lot it is um, it, a lot of it's redacted, but I can tell you he it's a domestic allegedly a domestic case. He's accused of grabbing a knife, telling a, a woman, "quote I'm going to cut you, bitch." End of quote. And then someone's mother walked in during the incident and protected the victim. Now I don't know if it was his mother, her mother, but that is that's just the Reader's Digest version. There's a lot here I can't tell you. He's also accused of chasing around the kitchen with utensils. So um, you know, in in it's a bad. Dude, well, and take a look at his his DOC shot. He's he's smirking in his 
prison mugshot. Yeah, not not remorse. It doesn't uh, look like in and out yeah. of prison, probably going back again. In addition to, you're looking at resisting arrest. You're looking at all sorts of charges he could face be facing for the barricaded. I don't see any yet, but there's quite a bit uh, for a 28 year old guy to be in and out of prison that many several times. That's that's concerning. Well, and what we know is so many of our homicides and murders are related to these domestic violence yes. incidents, and so it's just terrifying that he's been in and out, and that we can't. These are the types of people that you hope you know you could keep in i think to carlin seawood said and i verified this number with the police we don't have the numbers so far from this year it was last year 2022 stephanie to your point nine of the 11 uh murders were domestic violence related now they are aren't all man and woman one was samuel brotherton kill, uh, killing his father uh, he we can say killing because he admitted in open court some were that but a lot of most of those were men killing a female partner wow mm. it's sad all right let's get on to some happier uh, yeah yeah it's only um, up from there we've got some uh good guests today i'm looking forward to it we had talked about wanting to get matt mccormick on he is the president of the columbia chamber we've been talking about all of the good things going on at mizzou steve i know you're a little bit skeptical about too much funding for sports which i'm with oh, you no, you know I, i'm with you on that but i want to you know beyond the university i think the impact of the um you know, good sports program and the impact of how that then impacts the university also probably impacts um, our business community. And certainly having four sold out football games at Faroe has to be having a ripple effect through the community. So want to see what Matt's hearing probably at this point anecdotally. I don't probably think we have a lot of data. Um, so excited to chat with him. And then we're going to be ch- chatting with Rob Wolverton. He's a local developer. Mm-hmm. Steve, what's he, what are we chatting with him about? Yeah, about uh, the low income housing solutions and some headwinds and in the housing market there. He's got a front row seat to that. I like it. Okay, and of course, we'll be talking to Chris Arps. He wants to talk about Tim Scott uh, dropping out of the presidential race. Mm -hmm. That's at 635, but up next, we are going to do your daily DC rundown, and Cori Bush isn't the only one that's getting a primary challenger. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Freedom of speech, practiced here daily, and perfected on the podcast. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Minnesota Progressive Congresswoman Omar survived a tough primary challenge from Minneapolis City Councilman Don Samuels last year. Now, Samuels is giving it another go, saying statements made by Omar over the last year have led to increased support for another run next year. Omar... And that is getting us into our daily D.C. rundown. Of course, we know Missouri's own Corey Bush has been um, is going to be challenged by Wesley Bell. Thank and goodness. A lot of people are excited about that. And much of that has to do with her comments over Israel. Same for uh, Ilan Omar. Um, and people are saying, we're not going to stand for this. We can't have this type of hate and division. And these types of comments are are horrific. And you don't deserve to be in elected office. And we're going to and I think they might face a tough challenge i mean i think wesley bell is gonna is gonna challenge i mean he's got money he's popular he's got some issues but so does she 
Yeah, and any of these competitions a good thing. I mean, if it's your favorite candidate in the world, just having another choice is good. And and these people are maybe not the best choice. So uh, voters, <laughs> even Democratic voters, uh, deserve a different choice. Somebody steps forward. That's good. Let's break up the squad. All right. So we have a lot of news coming out of Congress. We've got this uh, stopgap, two-tiered ladder, whatever you want to call it, spending proposal. But actually, folks are starting to kind of coalesce around this idea. We heard some people kind of puffing their chest out and saying, I'm not going to do it. Um, but ultimately, I think Congress members are just like the rest of us. They like to procrastinate and they're kind of lazy. Um, and so, and so uh, if they can just kick the can, I think that's kind of where they want to be. Now, of course, um, it's going to take some uh, Democrats, uh, a lot of Democrats and a lot of Republicans to get there. Um, but if the Democrats all get behind this, then a lot of the most conservative Republicans who said, I'm not going to vote for this because it doesn't contain any of the spending cuts that I want, um, would be able to vote no. And it would still be able to get through. It looks like the two tiers, um, one. Uh, so the first deadline would come January 19th. That package includes military, construction, veterans benefits, transportation, housing, urban development, ag, uh, the FDA, energy and water programs. That one would be we would fund those things through January 19th. Everything else in a bucket for February 2nd. Steve, it's a little different than the way they usually do it, isn't it? Usually I, they they set a date to fund all the programs as opposed to kind of yeah. divvying up like this one. An omnibus thing. And this is great yeah. to break this out into each standalone thing. And you can't just have some big old slog of a yeah omnibus package, like you say, John. But don't you, I mean, the hope was that they would actually do what they're supposed to do and talk about each one and pass it in a timely <laughs> manner. And can we afford these things? Do we have the money in the first place? You're so hopeful. I am hopeful we'll that, see. like, we elect people and they just do, like, the va- the bare minimum. And we're not, <laughs> <laughs> we're not Man, that. that must be a great job. Like, you know, you work to get elected and the only standard is that you do the bare minimum that must be nice i mean and sometimes you just like stuff gold bars in your pockets and pull fire alarms and like it's like a (laughs) introduce a cr in the chamber there you go um okay there's another thing uh happening too so we got tommy tuberville he is holding up all of the military nominations i think now there are more than 350 that are held up now importantly over uh the military's funding of i think travel for abortion um and uh the Folks are tired of it, and they're saying, we're going to change the rules so we can push through all these military nominations at once, so we might see some action there. Uh, We've also got a lot of updates coming with respect to 2024. We might have to wait to talk to Chris Arps about those, but Nikki Haley's got a plan. Ron DeSantis is sitting back, and of course, Tim Scott's dropped out, so we're going to get Chris Arps' take on that next. Get an exclusive look behind the scenes of the show by watching on YouTube. Search Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Chris, Chris, Chris. Chris, 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 Chris. C-H-R-I-S. C-H-R-I-S. Stephanie Bell driving today with steve spellman in as guest co-host good morning chris or good morning steve good morning i'm looking at steve and saying chris uh, good morning to all of you it's great how's it feel to finally have some narrowing of the presidential field chris well i'm happy to see that uh i think that donald trump is still probably going to be the nominee but i don't want to see anyone uh coronated i'd like to see kind of a fight 
and the political nerd junkie that I am, I'm looking forward to, to being a uh, three-man race now between uh, Haley, DeSantis, and Trump. Three-person race? Oh, sorry. Three-person three <laughs> race, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, so, but who's going to really be able to put up a fight? Who do you think could actually go? I mean, imagine if it was just down to two people. I mean, Trump stomps most people on the debate stage. Is there anyone that you think could hold their own? No, I mean, I've seen polls that if uh, if if DeSantis drops out, majority of his voters are going to go to Trump. I see if uh, if Haley drops out, um, the majority of her voters would probably go to DeSantis. So, it's going to be tough to or really interesting to see uh, if another person drops out, Haley or DeSantis, where those votes will go. Uh, Trump is uh, scoring 50-60% in the Republican primary, so that leaves maybe 40-50% to of people that are not uh, in the Trump corner, and it'll be interesting to see where those votes go. Where do you think the Tim Scott voters went, or are going? Uh, You know what? I I would think that majority of them are probably going to go to uh, Haley, since they're both from South Carolina. Uh, Tim Scott has said that he is not going to endorse anyone yet, and that he you know, is not interested uh, in being vice president. But I would think uh, naturally uh, his voters would go to uh, would, would go to uh, what I'm saying, uh, this, or, um, Haley. Excuse me. Sorry, I got tongue tied there. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people run for president for different reasons, and Tim Scott probably didn't think he had the highest chances and so forth. I don't know what his future intentions are. You know, our, our friends on the left often talk about diversity with a capital D and so forth. And, you know, so well, what, do you, what do you mean by that? But, you know, I think where we've got uh, a unity in ideas and direction to take this country, Tim Scott's message was fantastic. His story he told about his background, that's real life. And we need that in the Republican discussion, in the conservative movement, to have folks that, hey, I came from a challenging background. I succeeded. He's living the American dream, and that is a fantastic story. I'm glad he's been in it. He's moving on now. He did his thing, but I'm I'm glad he was in the fight there for a while. I think Tim Scott had the perfect line when he resigned uh, from this race. He said, the voters are telling him, that they like you, but just not right now. I think Tim yeah. Scott was in it to win. I think that he thought there was a lane for him uh, being the nice, uh, positive conservative, mm-hmm. but that's not where the Republican base is <laughs> um, right now, and he uh, he learned that, and that's why he dropped out. But I, I think there's a place for, for Tim Scott in 28 and beyond. And I really believe that. We heard that same kind of talk from Mike Pence when he dropped out and he said, the voters are saying not now. And I said, Mike Pence, I don't think it's ever going to be your time. (laughs) I strongly believe that we will see Tim Scott um, in the future. So we are speaking with uh, Chris Arps. You can visit his website at ChristopherArps.com, see some of his latest appearances and writings. Chris, and you know what? And, 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 and excuse me, Scott was, or Mr. Stoneman was talking about diversity. But I'd like to uh, talk about that for just a minute. You look at the Republican side. We had mm-hmm. two African Americans that were running on this ticket. We've got Nailey Hick, Nailey, Hick, Nikki Haley, uh, Indian American. You've got Vivek Ramaswamy, an Indian American. Mm-hmm. Republican Party had the most diverse presidential uh, uh, lineup I've ever seen. Yep. Chris, talk to us. I mean, uh, DeSantis, it's pretty obvious he has the big strong name recognition and 
and leads Nikki Haley in the national polls. But boy, oh boy, they're neck and neck in Iowa, and it looks like she may lead them in New Hampshire. Where do you think this is all headed with those two candidates? That's very, very interesting. Look, I think right now Nikki Haley has the momentum, and the electoral map uh, looks favorable for her. You know, she is rising in in Iowa. She is in some polls. She's ahead of DeSantis. In others, she is tied. I think going into New Hampshire, she is placed uh, positioned very well. I don't think uh, Ron DeSantis' six-week uh, abortion ban is going to play well up in New Hampshire. Those voters are a little more modern, a little more independent. Um, Vicki Haley has a abortion position that is more uh, <laughs> swallowable for people in New Hampshire. And if she can do well in Iowa and New Hampshire, and then the third state is her home state of South Carolina, um, she could do very well. But you know, all of the the stars have to align perfectly for her in order for her to run the table like that. Now, Chris, you know, Steve brought up diversity, and I know there's this Wall Street Journal piece, I think, that that explains why Biden is losing black voters. I've also heard there is some significant concern in specific states with Biden's stance on Israel because you've got, like, for instance, Michigan, I think, has a very high mm-hmm. population of Arab Americans. So what are you, you know, what are your thoughts on why Biden um, is losing that base and where they might be going? Yeah, Democrats have to be very afraid uh, for Michigan. Michigan, of course, is one of the is going to be one of the big swing states. Swing states, excuse me, Dearborn, Michigan, um, Detroit, Michigan has has a very high um, Arab population. They have said that they uh, are not supporting Biden this year, uh, this cycle. We don't know if that could change. Who knows? But. It, even if the, the Arabic vote doesn't come out in Michigan, um, and that's going to be a very close race anyway, that could be a determining factor. And you mentioned that Wall Street Journal article, which was very surprising. You know, Donald Trump got 20% of the African-American male vote in 2020. This poll shows that he's getting 22% of the African-American vote total, males and females. And Democrats know if there is a percentage that high that's voting for a Republican or Donald Trump, um, it's very, very difficult for them to win an election. Yeah, you talk about s- several different demographic groups there. And, you know, really, it's been talked about with Hispanics, particularly, you know, hardworking folks uh, looking at personal values. Uh, many of you have a Catholic background and so forth. And then looking at the values of Biden and so forth, like, hey, that's not the country I want. That's not the lifestyle we want that's not our values mm-hmm. and it's like oh, i used to vote d you know knee jerk and now it's like that doesn't fit anymore um, yeah, and i think i think the democrats have also miscalculated they thought that every hispanic person would be for open borders uh for illegal immigration <laughs> and they're finding out that's not the case many of our hispanic brothers and sisters their families mm-hmm. came over to this country the right way the yep. correct way legally and they don't like seeing people uh, jumping ahead of the line, not paying the thousands of dollars that their relatives paid in order to become citizens. And they're angry, just like the rest of us. Now, late yesterday, my understanding is the attorney general dropped an investigative report uh, about Kim Gardner. Um, just what, you know, basically a summary of their investigation before they went forward with some of the court cases, you know, there in St. Louis, are you still hearing a lot? And what are your thoughts on, uh, releasing that type of report? Well, we've all wanted for the last 
two, three years for Kim Gardner's reign of terror, George Soros supporter prosecutor uh, to be over. Um, crime it was out of control. It's still out of control. But, you know, we have a new prosecutor here that was appointed. His last name is Gore. Um, he has um, upped the cases, has prosecuted them, um, is doing a, a very good job. Look, I think... This is a good decision by the Attorney General. Um, she's no longer in office. It's time uh, to move on and turn the page, and I think uh, I think that's what uh, happened yesterday. Yeah, I think I appreciate it because so much, so many times, I think when we're in a tough spot, we kind of move on and are so excited to move on. We we don't really break down what went wrong, and then we fail right. to learn lessons. Um, and so I think there are probably some lessons in that report. I haven't had a chance to go through it. I th- believe it's posted to the Attorney General's website, so I plan to take a don't uh, vote for George. Sorrell's prosecutors. That that's be. lesson number one, I think. And I think we knew that one. But yeah, I mean, so I think it's interesting. I think as we uh, as we, you know, reflect on some of the elections, because um, I believe, yeah, we talked to you before the we knew the results yeah. of the elections last week and, and we reflect on the bad midterms and then this latest election. What lessons are you thinking we should be taking away as we head into 2024? Because it's been a pretty disappointing couple of cycles. One lesson we've got to take away, Stephanie, we've got to find a common message um, when it comes to abortion. I think that's why Democrats are able to point us point us out as uh, wanting to con- con- uh, totally get rid of abortion because our positions are all over the place. Some states at six weeks, other states are eight weeks, ten weeks. Some states, uh, the, the Susan B. Anthony list, are advocating for 15 weeks. Look, I want zero abortions, but I'm aware enough to know that that is not where the country is. And then unless we find some type of common ground where we can agree uh, on an abortion limit and then work to eventually get to the point where we eliminate them all, I think that, um, you know, Republicans are going to continue to lose elections. If we focus on this 15-week uh, ban. I think we should say that that is the day. That is what scientists have said when babies can feel pain. I think if we make that argument, um, that works uh, much better than what we've been doing. Uh, just arguing that Democrats want to have abortions all the way up to the ninth month, which they do, but they're able to qualify that and say, "Well, that's a very rare instance. That's not happening. You guys are exaggerating." I think we need to focus on the fifteen weeks. And that's when a baby can feel pain. I agree with you, Chris. We've got to get um, some consensus around that issue. And of course, in Missouri, you know, it could be on the ballot here and that could mean um, big things. We've for for 2024 right here in our home state. Uh, We always love chatting with you, Chris. Uh, What's coming? um, You've got your show, uh, your radio show tonight. But what's on your next uh, TV appearance? When should we expect Uh, that? Hopefully Thursday uh, news on um, excuse me uh, Newsmax Wake Up America Thursday five thirty six and seven. Awesome. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Enjoy it. Have a great week. All right. One of our former Wake Up family members, Breck Dumas, writes now for Fox Business, and she's got this piece out, Steve, about mortgage rates falling. And I thought up until now it was just stay put, don't move, don't try to buy anything. <laughs> but things are changing a bit. And since you know a lot of about the financial <laughs> services industry, I'm going to count on you to break it down for us yeah, next. You bet. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Saying whatever we want. Wake Up Mid-Missouri.
All right, Steve, our friend and former Wake Up Family member, Breck Dumas, is now writing for Fox Business. Yeah. She's on to bigger and better things. Um, but she's writing about the mortgage rates falling um, after they've been so high. Should we take anything from this or should we? I mean, is it just a blip? Yeah, they just fluctuate a little bit, so uh, we'll, we'll see where all that uh, shakes out. But, you know, mortgage rates, uh, you know, a couple of years ago were like 3%. Urgh, super cheap. And uh, people got that, but the rates in the world have gone up since. And mortgage rates, as she explains, you know, hit you know, close to 8% there a few weeks ago and then drifted down to 75 only. 75 Uh But still, that makes uh, housing still expensive to buy. Um, the price of housing has gone crazy. There's reasons for that. But you think, well, housing, the price of a house has gone up, but then mortgage rates go up, too, and that means it's even more expensive to buy a house, and housing affordability has just continued to be a thing. Yeah, the craziest things I've seen is when they compare the monthly payment. And so they say, yep. you know, five years ago, for the monthly payment of $1,500, you could have afforded this house, yeah. and now for $1,500, you can afford something much different yeah when you don't have a lot of money down on a new house most of your payments especially early years is interest and if interest more than doubles well your payment's gonna about double um so um there's also this weird thing because people are in a house and they've got a cheap mortgage from years ago say three four percent and they think well i you know might move for whatever reason they go oh i have to get a new mortgage at like seven eight percent and they've got like rate lock so they don't want to leave their current mortgage. Not that they don't want to leave their current house. They don't want to leave their current mortgage. That's me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, uh, there's so many people. And so you stay in a place that maybe, you know, and so I, I know, like, I've got friends in there that are realtors, right? And I, yeah, there's just yeah. not a lot of movement because they right. feel like people feel like they can't move. Because, I, you know, I saw how much my, I know how much I paid for my house. And I saw how much, like, around COVID, the valuation went up. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I should sell. And my husband looks at me and he's like, where are we going to go? Where are you going to live? the houses are super expensive. B, we'd have to get a new mortgage. You can move in with your in-laws. <laughs> I told him, I said, I'd live in like an RV or a tiny house or a trailer. And he said, no, I'm, you no. wouldn't. <laughs> you would not. Don't even That's lie to you. It sounds good too. for up a, a second or, or something. Well, but, you know, you, you, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I'm a newlywed. Yes. We're mm. renting. Yeah. And we originally had hoped to try to buy something around the first of the year. There's no way that's going to happen because the rates right now are terrible. And especially being a first time home buyer, it just doesn't feel like the right time to do that. Yeah. Housing affordability is, is a, a low, for, a multi year low right now. It's especially in these small towns where, you know, there's not a lot on the market so they can afford to right. kind of drive the price up a little bit. Yeah. Home building at large has not kept up since the last financial crisis. Remember, there was a, too many houses, it got crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, lending standards are crap, you know, liar loans and all this. And builders like, well, oh God, we got, and that crashed. I mean, legitimately crashed for a while. And really that hasn't kept up as much. You see new houses and stuff, but not, not to keep up with the population and people's housing needs. And people are really feeling it on the low end. Uh, you know, people starting out in life, you know, the new family and so forth, looking for a place to live, like, well, what's available? 
Um, there just isn't housing available. And not in that price range. I remember right. I got really, really lucky. And, you know, I know Hannah takes a lot of grief that, you know, she <laughs> said, if, you know, the Biden's handing out free money for student loans, I'm going to take it. Well, well, yeah. At the time, I was a fairly newlywed and looking for my fo- first mm-hmm. home. Obama was handing out some free money. And, of course, you could buy a house with 0% down. So here I am, you know, barely into the workforce, you know, don't have any money paying my student, you know, my student loans at the time, the payment, the monthly payment was more than my mortgage. Um, and so didn't have a lot of money saved up, but I got, you know, kind of lucky based on <laughs> some government programs that we were able to get mm-hmm. into a home. But you could, I mean, you could shop in the $150,000 price range and get something really nice. Uh, now that, that would be more difficult. Yeah. But much in mid Missouri that's under $100,000 is difficult. Uh, to, to even find uh, in, in any condition that's available. And, so what's the way out? Because what I've seen is, um, you know, we've got a credit uh, credit downgrade from Moody's. The economy feels much more, I feel, in just the last several weeks, unstable. I'm seeing um, a lot of our Twitter bros are out there saying it's not looking good. Yeah, the housing affordability thing, that, that'll shake out some interest rates. That'll, that'll grab, that'll, what a, that'll change. What a terrible choice of bumper music this was. <laughs> yeah. <I'm laughs> happy. Really, we're not feeling happy, happy about the current state of Biden. Hey, be content where you're at. In our economy. <laughs> yeah, cruise through the situation. It'll come out the other end. All right. Up next, we're going to hear from Matt McCormick of the Columbia Chamber.